Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. And I want to start by reading from Psalm 25 where it says this, What a God worshippers like, arrows aimed at God's bullseye. God friendship is for God worshippers. They are the ones he confides in. You know, this message this morning is going to be five reasons why we should worship. You know, we come to church and we stand and we've had worship in every location this morning and we come and we worship God and maybe some of us came in and we just put our hands right up in the air. Some of us, this is a new experience and we're like, why are they lifting their hands? For some of us, they're like, the singing is going on for too long. Let's get to some teaching or get to the real action. But I want you to know that worship is our most holy calling, and worship is what we're here to do. It is man's whole purpose upon the earth is to worship. You know, point number one this morning is that worship defines us. Worship defines who we are as Christians. You see, to be a Christian is to worship God. We can't separate our faith from our worship. The two are completely interrelated. They're not separated. Worship is what defines us as God's people. You know, our worship will define the boundaries of our lives. Worship will define us and our identity and what happens in our future. I want you to know that we've done a lighthearted approach to this series, Lucifer, You're Fired. But the truth is that there is a battle, my friends, for your worship. There is a fight for your worship, and there is a battle in the earth for worship, and it culminates in Revelation at the end of time where the battle lines are drawn, and what we worship really matters. You see, we understand that Lucifer, the devil, he so wanted to be like God that rather than continue to give worship to God, he decided, I want the worship. See, he wanted to replace God. But when we worship, we replace him. When we worship, we take our rightful place in the heavenly throne rooms, replacing him. And I want you to know that worship defines you. It defines your identity. It defines who you say you are, your purpose in life, where you are coming from, and where you are going. See, The devil understands the power of our worship to define our identity in Christ. Our worship anchors us in heaven. Our worship says, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a friend of God. Our worship says, I will walk on water. I will step out. Our worship says, God, I trust in you. Our worship becomes a defining statement of our identity. And I want you to know that when you believed in Jesus, you defined yourself as being a child of God. You defined yourself as a friend of heaven, as someone who belongs to Jesus, and therefore you belong in the throne room of heaven. See, we can think that we belong somewhere else. We can think that our sins keep us out of God's presence. But the truth is that when we choose Jesus, we belong. We belong in heaven and the devil is jealous. Worship this morning, we need to know, determines where we belong. 
And that is one of the reasons why we must worship. One of the reasons we should worship. See, in Revelation 13:8, it says this. All the people who belong to this world worshipped the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. See, the battle lines get drawn. You might think this morning that worship is a few cute songs. You might think worship is a CD you play in your car. But what you need to understand is worship defines who you belong to. It defines where you belong. And I want you to know you belong in heaven. You belong in the Lamb's book of life. We are going to see battle lines drawn and we will not be a people who give our worship to the beast. We will not bear that mark, but we will worship the one true God, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Your worship will be called for. Your worship is a holy calling. Your worship cannot be given away. Your worship cannot be dismissed. Your worship has validity and there will be a battle for your worship. Who you worship, you will serve. See, Ralph Waldo Emerson says this, it behooves us to be careful what we worship, for what we worship we are becoming. I don't know about you, but I don't want to worship the things of this world. I don't want to become like this world because this world is passing away. I want to worship the one true God and be changed from glory to glory to become more like Him. The second thing we need to know this morning about worship is that worship is our warfare and worship is a weapon. See, we know and we've been taught that prayer is a spiritual weapon. But what we need to understand is that when we sing, when we lift our voice, when we praise God, when we worship with everything, with every breath, that that is also a weapon, a weapon of our warfare, something that we can bring to push back the forces of darkness that would come against us, to allow the presence of God to invade our world. You know, maybe you're listening in Whangarei, maybe you're listening in Hamilton this morning, maybe in Christchurch, maybe in Dunedin, maybe in Kapiti, here in the hut this morning, or online. I want you to know that when you worship, you pick up a weapon that pushes back the forces of darkness, allows the light of God to invade your world, turns things around that can't happen naturally, but can only take place supernaturally. You see, I speak from experience. In 2013, a wonderful man in our Wellington campus by the name of Rick Teal contracted a serious illness. He had a flesh-eating disease, a horrible disease. Maybe you've heard about it, maybe you haven't. But essentially, it's like a bug, and it starts literally eating the flesh from your very body. And it's super invasive, very hard to get on top of. The only way to deal with it is to literally cut it out. And the doctors have to not only cut away your skin, but cut away you know, surrounding skin, so in the case that it would spread. Now, Rick had been having operation after operation. There was not a lot left of his leg. And it had got to the place where we were being asked to pray that his leg would not be amputated. He was in huge pain. He was suffering. You know, he was obviously saying, God, what's going on? Where are you in my suffering, God? And he was, began to pray and he was asking God, God, would you heal my body? But on a Sunday night in his hospital room, he was live streaming our service, just as some people are right now. He was watching the service online, and he realized that he needed to worship. 
And so he started to lift his voice while he lay in that bed, while he was in pain, while that bug was present in his body. He lifted his voice and he began to worship. He said on that Sunday night, he felt the presence of God fall in his hotel, in his, not his hotel, his hospital. <laughs> Would have been good if it was a hotel. It was a hospital. And he felt the presence of God fall. Now the next day, um, Ivan, Kelly, his wife, and myself, we went to the hospital on the Monday and we gathered around his bed and we began to understand that this needed worship, that worship was the weapon of our warfare. And so, you know, Kelly and I, we're not the best singers. I know she won't mind me saying that. Ivan's not too bad, but probably not his primary strength. But there we were, this merry band, and we began to sing around Rick's bed. We began to sing. It just sort of happened. We started to sing, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. We began to sing. We began to lift our voice. And I want you to know today that from the moment that Rick felt the Holy Spirit say to him, worship through your pain. From the moment he began to worship, not one more piece of his flesh was cut away because worship is a weapon in our warfare. Some of us, we look at the Scriptures and we don't understand that to lift your voice, to command your soul, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, that it is very important as a weapon of our warfare. And our worship overcomes the devil. Do you know that? Our worship overcomes the darkness. Our worship overcomes the challenges because we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We get rid of that burden. We understand that these light and momentary troubles are passing and that God is our source of sustenance and that He will bring us through. Worship, my friends, is a weapon. Maybe you've taken up the Word of God and you dwell in the Word of God and the Word of God dwells in you richly, but take up this weapon of worship and I believe that you will see things change supernaturally in your life that you have been pushing through, believing God for, but it's time to let your soul know. It's time to sing. See, God worshipers choose to worship God no matter the circumstance or situation they find themselves in. And that's why it was so powerful when God pointed out Job. Satan says to God, oh, no wonder Job praises you. I mean, he's got it going on. He's like George Clooney. He's got Armani suits. He's got a beautiful wife. He's blessed with all these children. He's fertile. He's wealthy. Everything he does turns to gold. I mean, Job's like, God, no wonder Job praises you. You know, no wonder he worships you. Look how much you've blessed him, God. Isn't that an interesting thought as well? That when we worship, we receive blessing. That when we worship, we live a life of blessing and the prospering hand of God surrounds our life. The fear of the Lord is with those who love Him. You know, God's confiding in those who love Him, saying, do this now, come on, take this step, go this way. But we see that Satan says to God in heaven, he says, if you take it all away, he won't worship you. If you take it all away. And so God says, okay. You can test him. And so we see that Job is stripped of everything. We see that he's stripped of his family, except for his wife. He's stripped of his children. He's stripped of his belongings. He's stripped of every possession, every earthly thing. And even he is stripped of his physical health. 
And yet he stands that test. He says, the Lord is given and the Lord is taken away, but may the name of the Lord be praised. See, a God worshiper worships God no matter the circumstance. We are not confined by what we experience because God transcends our experience. He is always great even when we are going through the very depths of hell. I want you to know that God is with you in every situation and He does not leave you. His desire is to bless you, but would you choose to worship even in the darkness, through the darkness, because you will prevail when you choose to worship with every breath, with every breath. See, God is the breath that we have to worship, and with every breath Job had, he chose to worship God. You know, I want you to know that I have encountered, I have met people like Job in our church. I have met the Jobs in Arise Church. I've met people who have gone through the most difficult times and yet in their loss and in their grief, they have said, I will worship. And I want you to know there is no worship more precious to God. It's like poured out like a precious offering when we worship through our pain and when we worship no matter what the circumstances are. And I believe that God will always bring us through and turn our mourning into dancing when we choose to worship no matter the situation. Somebody here, this is a word for you. You know, my life was defined at the age of 17 when a good friend took their life. And the great loss that I experienced was heartbreak, was shame, was guilt, was feelings of inadequacy that I wasn't there, that I didn't know, that I couldn't stop it, that I couldn't do anything. And the heavy burden of guilt, that heavy burden weighed on my heart. But in my grief... I never forget that I lifted my hands and worshipped. And while tears were like rivers flowing down my face, I worshipped God when I felt like a failure. I worshipped God in my loss. I worshipped God and I said, God, whatever it takes that not one would be lost, whatever it takes that all would know your love, God, I will worship you. And God always brings us out the other side. I want you to know when you worship through your pain, you're doing something precious because it's an attitude of the heart. It's a position that you place yourself in when you humble yourself that I don't understand. Your ways are higher than my ways. I don't, I don't know why this has happened, God, but I will place my trust in you and you, you will not let that trust be misplaced. See, we can place our trust in the things of this world. We can place our trust in savings account, in real estate holdings, in other people, but no person can actually sustain that trust. No real estate market will hold true, only God. So place your trust in Him. Worship not the things of this world. Worship not the things of this world. Do not give your worship to idols, but give your worship to the one true God in Jesus' name. You know, somebody in this room, you've got to tell your body to worship. You've got to tell that body, come on, you can lift that hand. You've got to tell the heavy heart, I will choose to worship that I will make that choice to press in with everything. When it makes no sense, we choose to worship because that is who we are called to be. Worship is who we are. Worship defines us. Worship is our weapon. The third thing is, worship is our work. Worship is our work. See, so often, so often in Christianity, we make delineations. We make separations. We think, okay, on Sunday, I come to worship God. You've come this morning, you've come to worship God, but on Monday, I go to work. On Tuesday, I go to work. But Sunday is when I worship. Now, I want you to know that when we come and we lift our voice and worship, we are doing something great. 
But in Jesus Christ, all things hold together, the Bible says. God doesn't see things in compartments and divisions like we do. He sees that worship and work are interrelated, that we do them together. So I want to talk about Mary and Martha for just a moment. How could we not when we talk about worship? It says this in Luke chapter 11, sorry, chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Well, the message version says, hanging off every word. If only we could be like that with Jesus, hanging off every word that he speaks, that every word that proceeds from the mouth of God would be food to our bodies and strength to our bones and healing in Jesus' name. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Are you distracted today? I mean, it's so easy, isn't it? The demands of life. You could be sitting here and even while I'm speaking about worship, you're thinking about lunch. Don't do that. Let's engage. Lunch will come. Just stay focused on the Lord for a few moments. Give him all of your attention. I know you Cantabrians, you want to go home and have that hot stew you've prepared because it's so cold down there in Dunedin, it's even colder. Martha was distracted. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, I love this, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, I love how he speaks to us as people, even when we're getting it wrong, even when we're completely missing the point, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over these details. Only one thing is worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. See, what Mary had come to know was that intimacy was more important than activity. Intimacy precedes activity. And I want you to know this morning in your life that you might be busy doing, you might be busy serving, you might be busy giving out, but it cannot be at the expense of the intimacy of your heart's connection with Jesus Christ. See, Mary and Martha are a picture for us of what Jesus wants from us. What does Jesus want from you? Does he want your activity? Well, yes, he does. We wouldn't have church without activity. We wouldn't have people being given breakfast and shown the love of Jesus without activity. Faith without works is dead. But we must have intimacy in our activity. We must have intimacy which drives our activity. See, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So that will mean that we are not doing a whole lot of activity that is not God-ordained. And we will keep the right burden in our life, but it also means that we will be doing it with a heart of worship because God does not delineate worship from work. He says, worship is your primary work. See, you might think worship is unimportant, that that 20 minutes on a Sunday or that seat here in the car, that it's unimportant, but God needs us to understand that worship is our work. It is our most holy calling. See, Lucifer gave away his holy calling, but we replace him and we take it up. You see, I want to talk today about what this means. Avada. Avada is a Hebrew word which jointly means work, worship, 
and service. See, work, worship, and service is the same word in Hebrew. We wanna delineate it, we wanna separate it, but God doesn't want it separated in our thinking. So let me break this down for just a moment. Exodus 34 says this, six days you shall work, Avada. Exodus eight, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me, that they may Avada me. Joshua, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will avada the Lord. Joshua says, I will avada. I will work for and worship the Lord. See, it's powerful, isn't it, to think that the same word used for working in the fields is used for worship. See, God wants us to understand that our worship is not a separation, that we worship God every moment we're alive, that we have intimate heart connection with Him, which drives this life, that we don't go to our job and then come and worship Him. The two are interrelated. We worship while we work. We work while we worship. We work at our worship. Worship is work. You see, we don't separate what God doesn't want to separate. You know, there is a man in our church and he's highly successful in his field. And I truly believe it's because he understands this dynamic that his work is not separate from the Lord. He's a highly skilled surgeon, but he prays and believes for healing. He's worked his natural skill, he's honed his natural talent, he is preeminent in his field, but he also holds faith and believes. See, faith and works combined together. Worship and work are served together. I want you to know when you go to work on Monday, you can worship. You can worship in your work. You can live a holy and righteous life serving your nation, serving people around you, loving and sharing the light of Christ. That Monday is worship. That Tuesday is worship. Not just Sunday, my friends, but every day is worship. Isn't that a powerful thing that work and worship are not separated? I love John 11:8 because it says, Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. See, even though Martha has a a false understanding of work and worship, Jesus loved her. And I want you to know that even whilst you might not have a clear revelation or understanding of this, and in your mind you separate them, Jesus loves you, and He wants intimacy in your work. He wants intimacy every second with you. He wants to be close to you. Serving and working, we need to understand, are only sustainable from a heart of worship. See, eventually, We have to know that we will give up the working and the service if we don't have worship. And that is why we see Christians, we've all met those people. Somehow a little bit of bitterness crept in, somehow a little bit of offense. The church used me. Well, did you put up your hand and say, God, use me? Did you say, God, use me? Well, why did you start dying in your heart? Why did you start withdrawing from service? Because the service became everything and you lost your worship. See, worship is service. They're interrelated. As the people of God, we worship when we work. Worship is not unimportant. It's what we do with every breath. Number four, worship changes us. Another reason that we must worship is it will change us. It will shape who we are. It defines us. It changes our identity. And worship will change you, my friends. It'll change you. It has to. It has to because you're making such holy declarations. You're speaking out such life-giving words over your own life. He makes a way where there is no way. When you begin to worship, you are changed. 
And that is what we're here to do on earth, is to be changed from glory to glory, strength to strength, from blessing to blessing, that we would increase, that we would be a greater blessing. Oh, Arise Church, we need to continue to grow so we can bless more people in our nation and in the world beyond. We're not there yet, but God is using us and we need to keep saying, God, I'm gonna worship so you would change me to be all that you need me to do to fulfill this holy calling in Christ Jesus. Worship will change you. How do I know this? Because it will rid you of self-focus. You know, I I struggle sometimes with our modern culture where everybody's putting up selfies and hey, we all do it. I do it too because it's what people like. You know, you put up a selfie. But you know what? Worship is not a self-focus. Worship is a God focus. Worship is an others focus. Worship rids us of self-focus. I mean, let's be honest. Lucifer was the greatest narcissist the world has ever seen. Didn't turn out well for him. So we don't have to buy into the lie of narcissism like everybody else. Get rid of self-focus. Get rid of self-reliance. Worship causes us to realize we can't rely on ourselves, that we rely on God, that every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, we had communion in our services this morning, I believe. And Jesus is the bread of life. But our prayer is, God, give us our daily bread. So we're praying, God, give us yourself. God, just give us more of you. It will sustain you. You will lose your independence and become truly dependent. When we're dependent, we're able to receive more from God. Worship will set us apart, will cause us to know that we are loved. You know, I think as New Zealanders, one of the things that we struggle with the most is our self-esteem, is our sense of knowing that we are valuable, knowing that God loves us. And when we worship, we begin to realize that, hey, I'm approved If God let me in his throne room, he's not telling me I'm worthless. He's telling me I'm of worth. If God poured out his blood for me, he's saying, you are so valuable. You are so precious. He's starting to show me that he wants to crown me. He wants to give me a crown of life. He wants to put a robe around my shoulders. He wants to put a ring upon your hand. He wants to tell you that you are loved, that you are beloved and adopted in the beloved. You are his child. And worship causes us to understand that we've come close and we're changed. We let go of that low self-esteem. We let go of that bad thinking about ourselves. We let go of those thoughts of failure because with Christ, we are not failures. We have victory. So our whole thinking about ourselves changes. I want you to know when you worship, you become lighter because you lay down your burdens. Maybe you've come in and you're heavily burdened and you know we all have burdens and the burden of life and we've talked about this many times in our services. But the only way that we can unburden ourselves is to lay it at the cross. And we do that in worship, in submission, in surrender, in wonder, in thankfulness. We receive his finished work and we take up his yoke, which he says his burden is light. My friends, maybe you feel weary. Maybe you feel stressed. Maybe you feel anxious. Maybe you feel like you've lost your peace. Worship is your way. Worship is your way. My friend, you need to worship more. I know that sometimes we can think, oh, there's another thing to do, but I want you to know that this is not going to be a hard task. This is going to be a task where you will find joy, where you will find joy. Those that go out weeping will return with shouts of joy and praising. And somebody is going to get a revelation of that today, that the burden can come off, that we don't have to carry an undue burden, but that His mercy and His grace are there for us. We can enter rest. We can enter rest where we step aside from busyness. We can meet with the Prince of Peace in worship. Our fears should be calmed when we look at the one who calms the storm. 
when we gaze upon Him. You know, the Bible says that we know in part, we see in part. Oh, so annoying, isn't it? I wish we could just see God right now. I wish He would just be in this room right now and then everything would change. Ah, oh, every problem, every challenge, every obstacle, everything we're struggling with. If Jesus was in this room, but I want you to know worship puts you in the room with Him. Worship lifts you behind this natural sphere into the sphere of the heavens. It elevates you with Christ. Do you know you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, the Bible says. But we do it when we go past the outer courts. Praise takes us past the outer courts. Thanksgiving, God, I thank you. I thank you, Thanksgiving. We go past the outer courts and we enter in the Holy of Holies, right into the very presence of Christ Himself because Jesus made the way for us a new and living way through the curtain of His body. You know, back in the old covenant where only one priest out of a million could go before God, Jesus came that His body would be the curtain that would be torn in two so we would enter into the very presence of God. So why, why stay outside? Why stay outside and deal with everything yourself? Living the burden of life alone, my friends, when He calls for intimacy, that we would come close. I want you to know that worship changes us. We become like arrows in the hands of God. I wanna read that scripture again from Psalm 25. What a God worship is like. Arrows aimed at God's bullseye. Worship will change you, my friends, into an arrow. See, when we worship, it'll rid us of those self-focus. It'll rid us of bitterness. You see, we can't hold on to sin. We can't hold on to shame. We can't hold on to heaviness. We can't hold on to sin in the presence of God. And so when we worship, we begin to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We begin to seek His face. We begin to repent. We begin to pray. Worship begins to change us. And you know, it's like an arrow that we become peered down by the very hand of God that all those things, those weights that would entangle us, they begin to get stripped away because an arrow gets stripped and peered back so that it would fly straight and true. See, an arrow can't be too heavy or it will miss its target. We're not weighed down with false burdens when we worship God, we're shaped into an arrow. An arrow can't be too lightweight that it would fly off and not hit its mark. See, we're not lightweights in the kingdom of God, but we've got the grace of God to hit the mark. We're gonna make a difference in this world. We're gonna fulfill the God potential in our lives. We will hit the mark. You see, the Bible says that we will stay on the path because of worship. When we become an arrow, it will make us righteous. It'll peer away the bitterness. It'll peer away the offenses. We'll say the past is not, it's not a problem to God. Those temptations, they're not a problem to God. Those chains are broken by the power of God. No thing will stop me from flying and hitting the target, the bullseye, God's mark. See, all this, peer, all this change takes place because we bring our heart before God. We bring our heart before God. And the Bible says, God, friendship. God, friendship is for God worshippers. They are the ones that He confides in. And when we enter His presence, we hear His voice. We hear Him speak into our hearts and we are changed. You can't not be changed when God speaks to you. Someone else can say something. And I mean, I, even I'm talking this morning, but nothing that I say will, will change you. But what, if you hear from the Holy Spirit Himself, if you hear from Jesus speaking to you, you are changed. When He speaks right into your heart, you see, in worship is this, 
It calls us for an intimate examination of our heart. We're like an arrow. We're fashioned, pared back, stripped down to fly faster, to know that we are saved by grace, that we live in grace, and that through the grace of God, this arrow will make an impact. This arrow will hit the mark, hit the mark, hit God's purpose. Stay on the narrow path because we've been made right by God. Stay on course, stay on target. We will run our race to the end. We will not give up. We will not give in to worshiping the beast. We will not give our worship to some made thing. We will only give our worship to Christ Himself. God worship is arrows that hit God's mark. See, I want you to know that sin in the Greek is this word hamachia, which means to miss the mark. Miss the mark, sin. So when we carry sin, we're not gonna make it where God needs us to make it. But when we are worshippers, we get stripped of sin. We get stripped of those things that would overburden, those things that would keep us too lightweight. We get set to fly straight and true. And so that when God releases us, when God releases us into His purpose, we hit the mark, my friends. We're not gonna miss the mark because we're God worshipers and worship has changed us and made us true. I want you to know that the devil, he might try to throw a dart at you. Ha, he's only got darts, but you are an arrow. He's got darts. Darts, you my friend, are an arrow. You are flexible. An arrow is flexible, full of grace, not offended, not easily swayed by winds. You're flexible when the storm comes. An arrow will fly straight and true. Don't worry about the darts. They've got nothing on you, my friend, because you are an arrow. You see, the Bible says the devil is like a lion, but Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The devil has darts, my friend, but you are an arrow. You will hit God's mark. No sin will hold you. No burden will contain you. You will fulfill God's purpose in your life. If you would know what it is to step aside from the busyness, if you would know what it is to let go of bitterness, if you would know what it is to forgive yourself, to forgive others, to begin to walk like a child of God, approved, chosen, stepping right into the heavenly throne room, coming before Christ with everything that you have laid bare before Him and He would confide in you and you would make it through, my friends. You would make it through. You are the real deal. You are the real deal when you are a worshiper. No matter what comes, like Job, with every breath, with every breath, you will run your race and you will get where God intends. The fifth and final thing this morning is worship brings us close to God. Worship brings us close and this is God's primary goal. It's not that we would ha He would have a creation that doesn't know its creator, but He would have people who are after the heart of God, people who are friends with Him, people who are close to Him. Maybe this morning you know that you haven't been intimate with God for a very long time, that you haven't heard His voice. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. Do you know the voice of God speaking to you? Then if you don't, you need to worship. 
You need to draw aside. You need to worship that your intimacy would precede your activity, that you would begin to understand that worship is your weapon, that worship is your warfare, that things will begin to shift in your life when you come close to Him. Above all, would you know in your heart that God loves you, that He longs to bring you close? See, Hebrews 10, 19 says this, So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way. So let's do it. So let's do it. Full of belief, full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Oh, somebody this morning, let's do it. Let's walk right into that holy place. Let's walk past the outer courts. God longs for you to come close. Don't stay far off from Him in your heart. Don't keep your heart distant from Him. He loves you and He's calling you home. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Gillian Cameron, go to arisechurch.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at Gillian Cameron and at Arise Church.